last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I actually think in redraft, Jarius Wright will outproduce Laquan Treadwell. And sometimes I look at you and I see a man and he doesn't know what's about to happen to him. And no, it's conceivable. Michael Crabtree has a career year this year. And just to summarize, I believe the top 100 wide receivers in the NFL will all set career highs this year in fantasy points. That will probably be in the intro next week, folks. That's a bomb. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Field Goals Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me is Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. What's going on, Matt? What's what's happening today in your world? My world, planet Earth, I am tired. So tired. I was up late last night finishing the latest season of Game of Thrones. I was trying to ignore all the chatter when the episodes were being released live. I was recording them. I didn't have time to keep up with them, but I carved out some time here and there to get caught up. And I don't agree with every single person in the world that seems to think this was a fantastic season. Maybe the best season ever of the show. No, no, this was the worst season. This was the season I lost interest. Matt, if I may interject, just so we can put a little bit of clarity to the situation. I got on the Game of Thrones train really late. I'm currently in the middle of season three, episode six. I know where this is going. You're going to talk to me about spoilers. Not my fault. Yeah. Everyone's had a chance now to watch the show either by binge watching it or like I did catching up on the latest season over the course of weeks. The spoiler timeline has expired. I am not going to withhold any information just because you want to be surprised later. In fact, I am going to do you a favor today. I don't even do a damn thing. I don't want to know anything. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my headphones off while you go on this epic rant and I'm going to I'm going to view a muted version of you going chaotic on the other side of the screen. And when you're done, you give me the double flare waving over your head, the rock or whatever movie that is. And you let me know it's okay to put my headphones back on. Oh, if you haven't seen the rock yet, I just ruined it. That is the rock. Spoiler alert. A missile hits the prison. Spoiler alert. So I don't want to know. Like, I genuinely don't want this ruined. I apologize that I got to this late, but I don't want this ruined. Just give up on the show now. Save your time. It's very good as long as they're following the George R.R. Martin book series. But the book series ended. George R.R. Martin is afflicted with writer's block as we speak. He has hasn't been able to complete the series and now these writers have just started writing off the cuff 
using the cliche Hollywood storytelling method, which I loathe. All of you Game of Thrones fans are a bunch of suckers. The reason the show was good early is because the George R.R. Martin story was unpredictable. You never knew what was going to happen. When Eddard Stark, Sean Bean's character, died in season one, everyone was shocked. We thought that was the main guy. We thought Sean Bean's character was the protagonist. And they killed him in season one. And the show was great because the plot twists kept you guessing. And they continued to introduce new compelling characters. But we didn't get that in this last season. I was waiting all season. I stayed up late last night waiting for the new characters to arrive, waiting for the plot twists. It never happened. The show became predictable because Hollywood writers got their hands on it and they said, we need more dragons. We need more ships. (laughs) And you all are watching the cinematography and the dragons flying. And you're like, wow, this show's so cool. Wow, this show's so cool. Look at the dragons. Look at the dragons. The show's so cool. (laughs) Yet you can predict everything that's going to happen. I turned the show off 10 minutes into the final episode of the final season thus far because I said I had enough. I know what's going to happen. Nothing unpredictable is happening anymore. We knew Jon Snow was going to kill Ramsey Bolton. I could have predicted how they were going to kill him. I knew they were going to let Ramsey's dogs eat him. That was the predictable outcome. You knew that eventually all the forces would align behind Daenerys Stormborn and she would get her ships that she needed and she would get the army that she needed and there would be peace in Marine. We knew that would all happen. The show has become a cliche Hollywood action movie. You might as well go watch The Rock play Hercules if you want to watch big strong guys going to battle with lots of special effects. That's all that show has become. It's just the cliche Hollywood epic action movie with lots of special effects. It's not interesting anymore. Wow, that's shocking that Arya Stark would find her way back to Westeros to avenge her family. Wow, another shocker. I turned it off. I might as well go watch a big budget Hollywood movie than this contrived action filled melodrama. The show is dreadful and you all that watch it are just a bunch of suckers. And my favorite part is when you watch it on HBO now, they interview these generic Hollywood writers responsible for the uninteresting plot after each episode in which these pretentious Hollywood goons (laughs) just drone on and they talk about their characters as if they're real people. Yeah, it's important that we maintain the vision for Arya Stark, but it really sends a chill down your spine in the final episode when you realize that she's no longer the girl that she once was. You walk away from that episode worried about what's become of Arya Stark. She's now a cold-blooded assassin. She's not the same little girl she was in Winterfell. When the season ends, you're worried about what will become of Arya Stark. No, I'm not 
worried. I know what's going to become of Arya Stark. And it's fiction. You're writing it. She's not a real person. Stop talking about her as if she's a real person that I should be worried about. It's a TV show. And you're just a hack writer. <laughs> who doesn't have a fraction of George R.R. R. Martin's writing skills. And it's clear after watching this final dreadful season of Game of Thrones that this show has become worthless. Oh, my God. You feel better? Great. Feel good. <laughs> okay. Your headphones were on the whole time. You're a liar. My headphones were on the whole time, but if you could see my hand right here, see my hand on the mic? I turned the volume down every single time you went into one of those, and I worked the knob just barely. And I worked the knob just barely. And I worked the knob just barely. So if you drop the name or drop the info, I cut it out because I don't want it ruined. But at least you got your feelings out to the people. They're going to hear it. The show is complete trash. And the reason I'm so upset is because it was so good and Hollywood ruined it as they ruin everything. Those people are hacks with no imagination. You're going to think it's good because you're one of these gullible television watchers, I'm sure. I'm fine with that. Oh, someone like you will love this season. You'll just be able to turn your brain off and watch dragons fly across <laughs> oh the screen. God. That'll make you so happy, Nate. Uh, that's all I've ever wanted in this world. You won't have to think at all. It'll be great for you. Oh, yes. Finally. The turn for the worst that happened with Game of Thrones would be like Larry Fitzgerald becoming a bad football player. But if I look at his ADP, not even talking about his ADP in Dynasty Leagues, because his ADP in Dynasty Leagues is an embarrassment. I do a Dynasty League show with my friend Nate Liss, but half the time I don't even want to, because most of the people that play in Dynasty Leagues are buffoons. Where you draft players like Larry Fitzgerald is embarrassing. It's as embarrassing as the writers for Game of Thrones. It's going to be a lot of shots on this episode. You draft unproven rookies, not even drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, ahead of Larry Fitzgerald. Fools. So many of you are fools. But it's not just dynasty leaguers who I can count on to be fools in most circumstances. With Larry Fitzgerald, it's also all the redrafters. He's going at slot 50 now on MyFantasyLeague.com. He was a top 10 wide receiver last year. What are you people doing? You're making this arbitrary decision that because he's going to be 33, he's not even 33 yet, but because he will be 33 soon, that once he reaches that arbitrary chronology in his life, you've decided that once he reaches age 33, all his upside has vanished. He's not worth drafting because that's what you're telling me. If you're telling me that a top 10 wide receiver isn't worth being drafted in the first four to five rounds, then you're in essence predicting his demise already. And why people are predicting Larry Fitzgerald's demise makes no sense to me. Okay, hey, I just want to add one thing. Um, I was just looking at DLF's mocks, and I don't care if you want to use those or not. It's up to you. But they've got Marshall at 42 and Fitzgerald at 85. I don't know if you want to no, bring all that up right now. This is okay. dude. This is, we're doing a show. Why are you? Hold on. Why are you constantly? This, do you want this to be a monologue show where you just talk into my headset and I say every word? Do you want to be on this show with me? Why are you trying to have these conversations with me off air? We're doing a podcast so we can interact. 
Ugh. I'm trying to make sure that we have the right numbers. That's fine. So we can change your title from co-host to producer. Is that what you want? I don't know. I don't know which one pays better. They both pay zero. <laughs> they both pay the same. All right. So, okay. If we're looking at their ADPs, I was just checking DLF. Um, they run a lot of mocks, you know, during the month. And right now they've got Brandon Marshall at 42 overall. Too low. Ooh. You think Brandon Marshall's too low? They've got Larry Fitzgerald at number 85 overall. Embarrassing. You all should be ashamed. All you die. I don't like Dynasty League players. I love Dynasty Leagues. I don't like Dynasty League players because of these ADPs. Fools. Fools. Yeah, he's dropping a ton. Yeah, 85 is is way too low, but they're fools. Dynasty Leaguers are fools. They are youth chasing suckers, most of you. If you actually want to win your fantasy league, I know it's a crazy thought, but just follow me for a second. Just a quick second. On this idea that winning might be important, might be something you care about doing. Well, maybe you want to target Larry Fitzgerald at slot 85 in your startup. Maybe. I don't know. The guy that had 109 catches for 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns, 17.7 fantasy points per game last season. And he did it with efficiency. Plus 12.7 production premium. Top 25 in the league on playerprofiler.com. The isolated efficiency metric and his catch rate was an incredible 74.7 top five in the league propelled by a 63.0 contested catch rate he is one of the strongest players at the catch point He's a lot like Keenan Allen at this point in his career. He doesn't have the same straight line speed and burst that he used to. Keenan Allen never had that. Keenan Allen and Larry Fitzgerald are now great technicians that play slot flanker and they win with nuance and incredible hands and body control. That's how you post a 63.0 contested catch rate. And he's not even 33 yet. He will be 33 soon. Yes, he will be. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, no. I know. Yeah. 33. So old. Can he get out of bed at 33 at this point? Does he need a walker to get from his house to his car in the morning? Or can he make it with his legs? Do his legs work at 33 years old? That's a tough one. I'm not sure. Just, ah, it's close. He's almost ready to be checked into a nursing home at 33. Larry Fitzgerald, who runs a wide receiver camp in the offseason and evangelizes an aggressive strength and conditioning program for himself and all of his peers at the wide receiver position. That's the guy I'm supposed to be worried about will age quickly. No, we talk all the time on the show. You can be discerning about how players age. We know who the Dwayne Bowes are and we know who the Reggie Waynes are. Are you Wayne or Dwayne? <laughs> nice. Is he Dwayne or Wayne? Is he a Dwayne or is he a Wayne? I think Larry Fitzgerald is a Wayne because Reggie Wayne at age 33, the season that Larry Fitzgerald is approaching his age 33 season with the Colts with a rookie quarterback, Reggie Wayne, 106 receptions for 1,355 yards. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, well, the, their second receiver was Donnie Avery and their third receiver was LaVon Brazil. So, of course, they had to funnel targets to Reggie Wayne. Get out of 
course I know who the wide receivers were for the 2012 Colts. Who the hell do you think you're talking about? That's not the point. The point is Reggie Wayne's body was equipped to catch 106 passes for 1,355 yards. At age 33, his body was quick enough, explosive enough, and strong enough to be that productive. And so will Larry Fitzgerald this season. It's sort of the analogy, and we don't we don't always say this directly, but it's the big dog, small dog sort of analogy where the little dog will live longer. It's the smaller animal. But if you look historically at these players of this size that have truly taken care of their bodies, like you just brought up, you brought up Reggie Wayne, even Terrell Owens played till he was 37. His age 37 season, he had 72 receptions, nine touchdowns, 13.7 yards per reception. Also a big receiver. I understand the smaller receivers that win with nuance, like a Reggie Wayne, like a Steve Smith, like Antonio Brown 10 years from now, they age a little bit better than the big receivers that take more punishment during games, and a lot of them win with strength and explosiveness. So I understand that. I understand big receivers like Marcus Colston are quickly flushed out of the league at age 33. I've seen it. I understand that outcome exists. But if you had to find a comp for Larry Fitzgerald in terms of an off-the-field body caretaker, his best comp is Terrell Owens. Exactly. And Terrell Owens played a long time in this league. And when we talk about guys that really take care of their bodies, we've cited Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez played forever. And that's one of the most well-known players in terms of taking care of his body. Tony Gonzalez, age 36 season, 930 yards, eight touchdowns. Tony Gonzalez, age 37 season, 83 receptions, 859 yards, and eight touchdowns. So he finished his career at age 36 and age 37 with eight touchdowns annually. That was Tony Gonzalez, who stood 6'5", 250 pounds. Exactly. And I truly believe that you can get by for a long time on elite abilities and requisite or better than requisite athleticism. I mean, you look at a guy like Randy Moss. Randy Moss played till he was 33. His age 33 season, not very impressive, five touchdowns. But at 32, his last relevant season in the NFL, 83 catches, 1,250 yards, 13 touchdowns. Randy Moss phased out of the league where Larry Fitzgerald, Brandon Marshall, these guys will go well beyond Randy Moss because what they do for their bodies and what their off-field regiment is like is superior to what Randy Moss's ever was. Correct. Randy Moss is a Dwayne. Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> is a Wayne. That's the classic uh, example of a guy who's eating fast food, smoking joints in the offseason. He's a Dwayne. That's Randy Moss archetype. Larry Fitzgerald isn't doing that. Larry Fitzgerald's eating a kale salad. <laughs> doing push-ups at 10 o'clock at night. That's the difference. And that allows players like Jerry Rice to play until they're 40. If you're obsessive-compulsive about taking care of your body and maintaining your athleticism, then like Jerry Rice, you can post 92 receptions for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns at age 40. 
don't tell the youth chasers about Jerry Rice's age 40 season. I don't know how they deal with that because that breaks their age-based productivity curve. Jerry Rice didn't have an age apex. He had a 20-year age plateau. But go ahead. Plug all these players into a generic projection formula that projects all of them to age at the same rate and to essentially become useless fantasy assets by age 33. Go ahead. Plug these players into your generic projection formula that isn't discerning about how individual players age. Go ahead, because then I'll go ahead and face you in the Dynasty League that we're in together, and I will crush you with players like Larry Fitzgerald and Brandon Marshall and Vincent Jackson, because Vincent Jackson's also 33, and he looks strikingly similar to the player that he shares a field with, Mike Evans. People love Mike Evans' size and athleticism, his catch radius, upper 90th percentile. Well, Vincent Jackson has the same measurables, if not better. Vincent Jackson's catch radius on playerprofiler.com, 1043 99th percentile. I understand that as he ages, he's losing fast twitch muscle fibers. I understand that. But Vincent Jackson had fast twitch muscle fibers to burn a 130.888th percentile burst score on playerprofiler.com. That combines the broad jump and the vertical jump into one equally weighted metric. So if those are your measurables, it's conceivable if you learn to be a technician as time goes by that you can convert yourself from a player who wins with verticality and makes plays beyond the defense and above the defense to a player who makes plays closer to the line of scrimmage. That's in Vincent Jackson's range of outcomes. Who would be surprised if Vincent Jackson also becomes something closer to Keenan Allen in the waning years of his career? Still fast enough, still explosive enough, but now as an older player, he has the guile, he understands the nuances better, he has the old man strength. And then you read this on Roto World that local beat reporter Roy Cummings believes that Vincent Jackson will see a lot of time in the slot this year. Where did they play Larry Fitzgerald last year? In the slot. They converted Larry Fitzgerald to a slot flanker with great success last season, and they will do the same with Vincent Jackson. Like Larry Fitzgerald, they will move him around the formation. They'll go ahead and post up. Mike Evans on the outside at X, but watch those targets get funneled underneath to Vincent Jackson. Would anyone really be surprised if Vincent Jackson caught more passes this year than Mike Evans, just with a shallower average depth of target? In the last year where both Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans were healthy, they had identical raw counting stats. And Vincent Jackson is the one that had more receptions. So why wouldn't that happen this year? I don't know. But I do know that Mike Evans' ADP in Dynasty Leagues is approaching the top 10 overall players in redraft. It's slot 17, mid-second round. Meanwhile, in redraft, I'm not even going to give Vincent Jackson's Dynasty ADP because it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed on behalf of the entire Dynasty League community by his ADP, so I won't even utter it on the show. So I'll give his redraft ADP, which is also unfathomable, 116.3. Are you kidding me? Vincent Jackson is a far superior value 
to Mike Evans, he's even a better value in all formats than Larry Fitzgerald and Brandon Marshall. If that's even possible, it is possible. I know you won't say it, Matt, but I will. I'm looking at the Dynasty League football ADP. Do you want to take a swing at a pitch on where Vincent Jackson's current ADP is? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Whatever you say is going to be completely asinine and will simply make me feel contempt for the dynasty league community so just don't do it to me i don't want to feel that level of contempt please don't do it don't do it just like you showed don't say it zero mercy earlier for me when you brought up all that game thrones spoiling i'm taking my headsets off i refuse to hear what vincent jackson's dynasty adp is because i do not want to believe that i am surrounded by fools Headsets off. Go ahead. Vincent Jackson's current ADP, 151. And in one of the mock drafts where this average was derived, he was selected at number 215. 215 overall. That's not just bewildering. That's not simply astounding. That's staggering fantasy football incompetence. That's after Ty Montgomery. On my Dynasty Rankings, you can check out my Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. I have Vincent Jackson in my top 75 wide receivers. I have him in the same range as much younger players like Jermaine Curse and Robert Woods and Brashad Perriman and Devontae Adams and Martavis Bryant and Pierre Garçon because Vincent Jackson can help you win a league this year. I like Robert Woods, but he can't help you win a league this year. Robert Woods has a greater lifetime value over time than Vincent Jackson because Robert Woods is 25 and Vincent Jackson's 33. But Vincent Jackson is almost as valuable as Robert Woods because Vincent Jackson has league winning upside that Robert Woods does not. And in any given season, if you can win a championship, (laughs) that's something that you want to strive for. Prior to Vincent Jackson's missed time last season, if you took the two years prior and averaged out his targets, he was averaging 150 targets per year. So it's not even out of the realm of possibility for Vincent Jackson to be in that 130, 140, 150 target ballpark. And it Come on. No, he's not going to be at 150. Come on. Vincent Jackson's ceiling is 120 targets, but 120 targets being sent out to a player with Vincent Jackson's explosive athleticism would net you a WR2 season in fantasy. That's what you're hoping for. He'll probably come closer to 100 targets than 120 targets. Either way, receiving those targets from Jameis Winston in what will be a high-octane offense with that athleticism, that's what you want. Maybe 150 is a bit lofty. I'll give you that. I'm shooting. That's the high side of the ceiling. You think? (laughs) What? 150 targets for Vincent Jackson? It was growing. But either way, there's no other receivers. I understand what happened. We've juiced this episode with Vincent Jackson enthusiasm, and you got a little carried away. I had just injected you with Vincent Jackson nitrous, and you were just zooming off. into beyond best case scenario.
I felt like LeBron James in South Beach when they they did the the announcement. And the three players came out on stage and they were counting how many titles they were going to win. Not one, not two, not three, not one hundred Le- targets, not one hundred and ten targets, not one hundred and twenty targets, not one hundred and thirty targets, not one hundred and forty targets, one hundred and fifty targets. <laughs> two. <laughs> Two more than Mike Evans had last year. <laughs> right. No, so, he, he doesn't have to do that much to dramatically exceed his ADP cost. Vincent Jackson has the lowest bar of any wide receiver to outperform his ADP. If I can say this, though, about Vincent Jackson, the one thing that has made him great in the past was the volume because Vincent Jackson really has never been a great catch percentage receiver. If you look at the last five years of his career, 53% was the highest he's posted. So I'm saying it's a different position. It could change his receiving percentage kicking into the slot versus where he's been in the past. But Vincent Jackson doesn't have a high catch rate. That'll dramatically change it, though. It's all about role and the target zone. When most of your targets are high degree of difficulty, particularly down the field on the outside where Vincent Jackson has historically operated, there's a much lower margin for error on those throws. Once you put him closer to the line of scrimmage with a much higher margin for error, the degree of difficulty on those throws drops significantly. That can make the difference between a 55% catch rate and a 65% catch rate. I to- No, I totally agree. I think moving to the slot is a, is a big help for Vincent Jackson. So if he does see the 150 targets that I'm projecting him for, Matt, then we could be looking at 95 catches. <laughs> well, wow, he's MVP of the league. No. If I can go back to something, though, previously, we brought up Brandon Marshall. The perception with Larry Fitzgerald and guys like Brandon Marshall, I think most people think that Larry Fitzgerald is like meat falling off of the bone. If I think if we ran a poll and you did Brandon Marshall versus Larry Fitzgerald, you would have 95% favoritism towards Brandon Marshall versus Larry Fitzgerald. Right. For some reason, there's an arbitrary cutoff at the age 33 marker. If you're age 32 and you're Brandon Marshall, you're fine. You're fine. Even though you're 230 pounds as opposed to Larry Fitzgerald, who's 217 pounds, never mind. It doesn't matter. Age 32 is fine. You can be a top five wide receiver at age 32. (gasps) But once you cross that age 33 arbitrary threshold, (gasps) it's like Melisandre taking off her amulet. This means nothing to me. <laughs> I don't want it to mean anything. Oh, Melisandre's actually a very old, old woman, but she looks beautiful when she's wearing her amulet, and then when she takes it off, she becomes this decrepit old woman. Okay. That was the only scene in, in the entire last season of Game of Thrones that I enjoyed because it was surprising. It was the only event in the entire season that wasn't telegraphed. Okay, you want to know something else surprising, and I feel like I have to say this out loud because people don't understand understand this about Larry Fitzgerald. The guy had 109 catches last year. 109 catches. He finished as the wide receiver seven. That's just four slots behind guys like Brandon Marshall. So I know we're on this tirade right now, and I, I just I can't believe the difference in perception of these two guys. You know, it makes sense. I don't own Brandon Marshall anywhere because his price tag is still high. He's being priced like a player in his prime, even in some dynasty leagues. It's bizarre. But the moment it occurred to everyone, 
everyone that Larry Fitzgerald would be playing in his age 33 season. His price cratered. I own more Larry Fitzgerald now across Dynasty Leagues than I ever have. The thing that you want are wide receivers approaching the age apex like Keenan Allen and wide receivers that are well beyond the age apex that are performing in spite of their age. So my most successful Dynasty League teams are made up of players like Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey. These are wide receivers in their prime approaching the age apex. And then once they cross the age apex... If they're still viewed by the Dynasty League community as players in their prime, you can go ahead and sell them at that point. I traded Demarius Thomas at that point. So my team ends up being powered by this talent escalator, and I'm not trying to ride an elevator to the top in a single season. I'm just slowly churning the roster, turning it over, and when I find an opportunity to take advantage of an overvalued asset that's just past the age apex like Demarius Thomas, I'll do that. I'll happily trade Demarius Thomas for Vincent Jackson and Larry Fitzgerald and a draft pick that becomes Josh Doxson. Happy to do that. Thank you. So we never talked about this. I have this odd affinity for YouTube searching things like train wrecks. I I don't know. I always have. I don't know where it comes from. But no, no, no. Hear me out. But I know this. Yes. What? Like train wrecks. Train wrecks? What do you mean by that? Like actual trains derailed coming off the tracks to trains head to head. Oh, so you're like a sadist? Uh, maybe. My morbid curiosity is is what it is. You familiar with the character in Game of Thrones named Ramsey yeah. Bolton? You're Ramsey Bolton? Uh, is he related to Michael Bolton? I haven't gotten to this part yet. What season are you in now? I'm season three, episode six. So in the second to last episode of season six... Ramsey Bolton is killed by his own dogs after he's defeated in battle by Jon Snow. You son of a bitch. We just, why are you telling me this? I can tell you everything because it's obvious. You know the Knights of the Vale are going to ride in at the last minute and save the day. Uh, no. Because Sansa Stark formed an alliance behind Jon Snow's back. It's all telegraphed. It's not a surprise. There are no spoilers with Game of Thrones because they've stopped lobbing surprises into the plot line. That's why the show isn't good anymore. And you are Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton is a classic sadist. He loves to watch destruction. He gets off on it. Are you telling me you're a sadist? Uh, What I'm telling you is I'm trying to make a segue over to Twitter because I followed some of the hashtag dynasty trades and I was looking up Larry Fitzgerald. And I found a couple. Why are you telling us that you're a sadist in order to transition to another topic on a Dynasty League football podcast? Because the people want excitement. And when you hear these offers, you will understand why. Wait, are you saying that these offers are going to remind you of a train wreck you saw on YouTube? Is that what's happening? No, I'm saying these are train wrecks that I would see on YouTube. Your metaphors today have been just awful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to stop doing them. Dude, don't stop doing them. They're the highlight of the show. This show is at its best when it's at its worst. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll keep it up. Okay. Larry Fitzgerald for a 2015 202. Meh. Hate it. 
I hate everyone. Okay. Larry Fitzgerald for Eric Ebron. Everyone is a fool. Larry Fitzgerald for the 301 and the 406. I want to stash wildfire underneath every dynasty league (laughs) and blow up every dynasty league in existence like Cersei destroyed every one of the sparrows in the final episode of Game of Thrones. You all are fools. Trading Larry Fitzgerald for two picks with a low probability of ever becoming fantasy viable. Just a bunch of youth-chasing suckers you are. I'm embarrassed. It's embarrassing. I feel gross talking about these Dynasty League trades. I feel gross doing a show for Dynasty Leaguers who think trading Larry Fitzgerald for a third and a fourth round pick is even remotely close to equivalent value. You all make me feel sick. You all make me feel dirty. I feel dirty doing this show for you all. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if I want to read any of these other trades. I think you get the point of them. No, I want to hear more. You're a sadist. I'm a masochist. I want to feel bad. I want to feel gross. I want to feel dirty. I want to feel like Jon Snow underneath all of those dead bodies in the battlefield. He actually lived, though. He lived. He somehow lived. He was suffocating under dead bodies, and he had a 99.999% chance of being killed. But then because he's the hero and the show is now being written by hack Hollywood writers, of course Jon Snow had to survive the pile of corpses he was trapped under and become the king of the north. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't that happen? That's That was predestined. It's not a spoiler because everybody knew it was going to happen because Game of Thrones has become the Scooby-Doo of epic sci-fi dramas. This episode has been torture. This... This episode will be a to edit because I'm going to have to listen to all of this Game of Thrones episode ruining content. You're the one that's talking about you're the masochist and you want to get tortured and stuff. And I'm the one getting tortured over here. I'm going to read another one of these trades, though. Yes, I want to feel dirty. Okay, here you go. Larry Fitzgerald for Terrence Williams in the 305. Where does that put you? It's actually not as bad because I think Terrence Williams has value. He doesn't have Larry Fitzgerald level value, but at least Terrence Williams has a ray of hope for becoming a usable weekly asset. Terrence Williams, once upon a time, was a high-profile wide receiver prospect, and there's still hope that he could become a WR2 in fantasy. So that isn't as bad as some of those player-dumping-for-picks trades, which were just embarrassing for all involved. Larry Fitzgerald for the 310. And what? Nope, that's it. Just for the 310, straight up. Shut up. I'm serious. Larry Fitzgerald for the 310. No. No. What? Yeah. What? Larry Fitzgerald for the 310. This was a poll. The fact that someone, even if that trade didn't happen, the fact that someone thought enough of that exchange to post it as a poll (laughs) makes me question the collective intelligence of our species. Brace yourself. There's not more. There can't be more. There can't be more. Stop it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to feel that. I want to feel that. I just want to feel just dirt and scum and death around me. Go ahead. I want to smell <laughs> the rotting flesh. Tell me. Uh, Tell me. Prepare to take a bath in it. Larry Fitzgerald for. Hey, 
a 2017 sixth round pick. Talk, talk to me, Matt. Hello, hello, Matt. Are you there? I know that's an IDP league, and I don't care. We don't know for the for the record. We don't know that that's IDP. It must be. It has to be. We have to at least believe that. Otherwise, I mean, come on. That trade is an atrocity. So I got a question for you, Matt. Then tell me this. So how do you feel about people's opinion that Larry Fitzgerald's second half production was directly proportional to what David Johnson was doing in the second half of games, that he was actually eating away at Larry Fitzgerald's workload and potential? That Larry Fitzgerald was suddenly competing with David Johnson for the targets in the short and intermediate routes and that David Johnson was cannibalizing opportunities from Larry Fitzgerald. Right. In games that matter, games like the NFC Divisional Playoff game in which David Johnson played close to a 100% snap share, received nine targets. Meanwhile, Larry Fitzgerald received 12 targets and posted eight receptions for 176 yards and a touchdown like that game in the second half. The second to the last game that Arizona played last season? That game? Yeah, that game. Yeah, okay. I think you can use splits to prove anything. Except that Brandon LaFell is good. That's impossible. But, <laughs> but splits are the Swiss Army knife in the confirmation bias soldiers arsenal. Show me someone posting splits on Twitter and I'll show you someone soaked in confirmation bias because that's what I do. I come up with an idea. I have an assumption. I want to back it with evidence. Well, let me go to my splits. I'll split him with this player. Nope. I'll split him with this player. Nope. I'll split him by time. Nope. I'll split him by score. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald doesn't get any targets when the Cardinals are leading by double digits. Oh, that just goes to show that he's a situation-dependent player. Yeah. Look at my splits. I don't like splits because the entire NFL season doesn't provide a significant enough sample size for me. So the last thing I'm going to do is take what I already believe is a small sample size and make it even smaller. What splits are are small sample sizes inside small sample sizes. So I don't care about your David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald splits. You know where you can put those splits, right? In your crack. (laughs) Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I'm targeting Larry Fitzgerald. Here's a team I just walked away from. The Kitchen Sink League. Go to my show on Roto Underworld. This show, by the way, is also being simulcast on Roto Underworld. So we're putting some backlogged episodes up on the Roto Underworld radio feed. And last week's Roto Underworld radio show, I talked about walking away from my team in the Kitchen Sink. My team in the Kitchen Sink perfectly exemplifies how I manage my roster, specifically my wide receiver core. Young ascending players like Willie Sneed, Allen Robinson, Dante Moncrief, Alshon Jeffrey, and T.Y. Hilton. 
buttressed with older players that can help me win, like Vincent Jackson and Larry Fitzgerald. You won't see any players age 28, 29, or 30 on that roster. So I like proven players in their younger prime years, and I like proven players at the end of their career when they're heavily discounted by the irrational buffoons that exist in every Dynasty League team. You fools that will sell me Larry Fitzgerald for 10 cents on the dollar. I'm happy to oblige. But there is one player in his late 20s whose valuation has been diminished at a similar rate to Larry Fitzgerald and Vincent Jackson. He's actually being more closely valued to Vincent Jackson than Larry Fitzgerald, and that's former elite wide receiver Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz is another wide receiver who is scheduled to be a starter in a prolific offense, who has a history of production. If Victor Cruz is healthy to start the season, why wouldn't he post a WR2 season in fantasy, given the volume that he's likely to see in New York? But no, 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 no. I heard that the starting job opposite Odell Beckham Jr. is guaranteed to be Sterling Shepard's job. I don't know who these orthopedic surgeons are around the world logging into their dynasty league with definitive certainty knowing Victor Cruz isn't going to play this year. I mean, how do they know this? Sean Fitzsimmons writes for playerprofiler.com. He's actually an orthopedist, and he doesn't know what's going to happen with Victor Cruz. How the hell are you supposed to know? You're not a doctor, and neither am I. Yet this is what greets me on Twitter after I say the most obvious thing that Victor Cruz will impact Sterling Shepard's targets. That's the statement. Victor Cruz will impact Sterling Shepard's targets. That's the most obvious statement one could possibly utter, but so often it's the most obvious things we say on this show that you all most vocally object to. I don't understand why you all don't value winning and therefore value Vincent Jackson and Larry Fitzgerald more. I'll never understand that about you. And I'll never understand why you object so strongly to the most obvious statements that tumble from my lips. Because I was greeted on Twitter by Patrick Savage, whoever that is, who says, Oh, it's possible that Victor Cruz will impact Sterling Shepard's targets. Certainly possible. But to assume he's coming back at a 100% without evidence of such is stupid. Okay, I didn't say he was coming back at 100%. He tore his patella. Of course not. It's not the argument. But he does impact his targets. That's not stupid. That's obvious. I came back and I said this. Slurping rookies in redraft often ends with a bad taste in your mouth because it does. You see this so often. In the Scott Fishbowl, Sterling Shepard was drafted in the top 20 wide receivers in one of the divisions. The irrational exuberance around Sterling Shepard is real, and that's what I'm commenting on. I'm not arguing that Victor Cruz will come back at 100% health. No one said that. But that is one of those classic Sports argument rhetorical tricks. Let me mischaracterize what you just said and argue against something that you didn't say. Nice try. So what does this Patrick Savage douche nozzle do? He somehow has an archive of my dynasty rankings 
on playerprofiler.com from earlier in the year, February 2016. So he takes screenshots from my February 2016 dynasty ranks and pastes them into Twitter and says, oh, you don't like young players? How about Austin Safarian Jenkins and Javorius Allen, who you liked more than anyone else earlier in the year? And at that point, my entire brain cavity collapsed. Because, first of all, those aren't rookies! Those aren't rookies! I said rookies, and those aren't rookies! Javorius Allen had a 37-point game last season. Austin Safarian Jenkins is the best tight end prospect to enter the league since Tyler Eifert. What are you talking about? Also, that was February. Things have changed, especially for Javorius Allen. The Ravens drafted Kenneth Dixon, who looks like Javorius Allen's equal. So, of course, Javorius Allen fell in the rankings after the NFL draft. But I do think Javorius Allen is the best value running back in all formats, redraft and dynasty. As an aside, I have to say that I'm contractually obligated due to my relationship with Javorius Allen, Inc. (laughs) So number one, the players he pointed out were not rookies. Number two, the rankings were outdated. And number three, they were dynasty rankings in a redraft context. Now that is the singular worst retort I have ever received on any media platform. And that includes YouTube. Because I've always thought of Twitter as a place to go for the more sophisticated conversation. I have very few negative interactions on Twitter. I enjoy football Twitter so much because 99% of my mentions are positive, engaged sentiments. They're not the pathetic, crude, boorish, sports Neanderthal commentary that you typically see on YouTube. You should go to the Roto Underworld Radio YouTube feed. There's a number of clips from this particular show, the Sonic Truth Podcast with Nate Liss. And you can read the avalanche of pathetic, rude, boorish comments. You do not get those on Twitter, yet out of nowhere, this Patrick Savage is treating my Twitter timeline like the pro football talk comment board. But it wasn't just hacky what he did. It was creepy. It was the behavior of a creepy, obsessive fantasy stalker to go back four months and screenshot old rankings that are now behind a paywall. Dynasty rankings, even though we're having a redraft conversation. Who does that, Nate? I don't know. I don't do that kind of stuff, but it sounds like a weirdo. That's that's pretty much the bottom line here. This is how the United States will crumble. People like this, these desperately lame hack trolls who are just truly insincere assholes with self-esteem issues. And these self-esteem issues drive them to scroll through an archive of images for what must have been hours to find what he was looking for to reply to someone on Twitter with. I mean, that is the definition of pathetic. And that's the type of behavior that's draining productivity from the American workforce. Fantasy football is a plague on American productivity. It is. When you poll employers, one of their great laments is the existence of fantasy sports. The first websites that corporate system administrators block are fantasy 
football websites because they are a great source of time wasting. Patrick Savage spent hours playing a pathetic social media gotcha game with outdated screenshots of my player rankings. Think about that. You might ask, well, Matt, did you block Patrick Savage? No, I didn't block him. I have a very, very small list of blocked users. Evan Silva tweeted out a couple things about me last year. I had a huge influx of followers, and a bunch of them were borderline sociopaths, and they had to be blocked. But other than that very small list of sports sociopaths, I almost never block anyone, and I will not block this Patrick Savage just for being a pathetic, creepy, obsessive fantasy stalker. I'm not going to do it. No. Patrick, you will continue to follow me out of spite, and your penance is that you have to continue to read my prolific tweets and see all the retweets and favorites that they garner. And with each tweet that I fire off, let it wash over you. And in my Twitter timeline, you will perpetually face the reality that there is someone who clearly knows more about sports than you, is clearly funnier than you, and is absolutely more clever than you. probably traded Larry Fitzgerald for a late third rounder. <laughs> that was the guy. That, that was, was the guy. That sounds like fun! Yeah, he's a fucking fuck. Dude, he is! Yeah, he's a total fuck. That trade is an atrocity. That sounds like fun! Can you imagine if your dad was one of these goonish Twitter trolls? Is it worse to do that, or is it worse for me to sit for five minutes loading up a Yahoo mock draft, and then with the 11th pick in the first round, I take Sebastian Jenikowski, and the fucking room just turns on me? That sounds like fun! Oh, yeah, he blocked me. I don't even know why. I've also been blocked by Richard Sherman, and I don't know why, so that's the other thing. The guys that go into mock drafts just to ruin them, uh, they're exactly what I'm talking about. The lowest form of internet trash. I don't know if you want to... Don't bring all that up right now. This is... Dude, we're doing a show. That sounds like... That sounds like... That sounds like... That sounds like fun! So it's actually a prep game that's preparing for a game within another game. And I finally tracked it down to that guy saying that that outraged Jew guy on the Sonic Truth podcast oh has a horrible voice. Oh, oh my like, God, yeah. Fuck this guy. You do have a horrible voice, though. I appreciate that. I mean, it, almost everything he says is worthless, but that actually does resonate. That was the one thing. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the one takeaway. <laughs> you got Perfect. one thing right. 
right. After I somehow infiltrate some timeline, I kind of made my way to it somehow by following breadcrumbs. Wait, 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 wait. You, you infiltrated a timeline. You made your way to it somehow. Like you're a Twitter assassin. Is that a good word, douche nozzle? That sounds like fun. I can't help it. I just, I like what I like in this world, Matt. I like what I like. You are the Ramsey Bolton of fantasy football. Do you want this to be a monologue show where you just talk into my headset and I say every word? Do you want to be on this show with me? That sounds like fun! Why are you trying to have these conversations with me off air? We're doing a podcast so we can interact. I'm trying to make sure that we have the right numbers. That's fine. So, So, of course, they had to funnel targets to Reggie Yeah, of course I know! Don't do it. Just like you showed... Don't say it. Zero mercy earlier for me when you brought up all that Game of Thrones spoiling. I'm taking my headsets off. I refuse to hear what Vincent Jackson's Dynasty ADP is. What? 150 targets for Vincent Jackson? (laughs) Wow, he's MVP of the league. Wow, he's MVP of the league. That sounds like fun! I want to stash wildfire underneath every dynasty league (laughs) and blow up every dynasty league in existence. That sounds like fun! Player. Look at my splits. So I like my I like my players in their I like my players approaching I like my players in their young prime years and I I like proven players so I like young proven so I like proven players I'll be a Huckleby <laughs> Oh my god Zoomstone references That sounds like fun I'm glad I looked. Oof. All right, we're good. All right. Ah, oh, damn it. <clears throat> All right, man. Just be cautious about how much you give away. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna be. I'm, Dude, I'm so I'm so over Game of Thrones. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to. It's mute. such a joke. They're a right. joke. Here we go. All right. All right. Why don't we have this talk on the show though? <laughs> okay. Let's have this talk on the show. They're cowards. It's, it's coming out early. Cowards. Yeah. Well, 32 and a half is young is fine. 33 and a quarter, that's all. I'm a doctor. I'm a physiology expert. <laughs> that sounds like fun!